It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I'm going to start off with a bit of a conversation about what America's landscape looks like. And what I mean by that is some of the things we're doing now are going to forever scar, at least forever in our lifetimes and that of these one or two generations behind us, uh, scar the American landscape. And are we really thinking through where we're putting some things and what we're doing to our land in a thoughtful way, or are we just hurtling with technology? The first thing I'm going to talk about is what is happening to the American West. Anyone who has flown over, and not only in the American West, actually, it, 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 but it's most apparent in the arid West, but it's, it's true of all of America. It's true of Wisconsin, Illinois, virtually everywhere you go. As we have moved from a society where you walked on a horse in the outdoors or you walked on two feet or you had a bicycle to a society where you've got all-terrain vehicles that can climb the side of mountains, literally climb the side of mountains, and you've got motorcycles that can go anywhere. We are taking vast pieces of our most treasured landscapes and turning them into off-road vehicle uh, wastelands. If you were to fly, as I had, have done several times, low over vast areas of Wyoming, Montana, Nevada, Idaho, the land looks like Swiss cheese from the air. The Swiss cheese is the hundreds, thousands of miles of tracks cut across sagebrush and prairie. You can still see the tracks from the Oregon Trail. Over 150 years ago, you can still see the ruts in the ground from where the wagons on the Oregon Trail came across the American West. Now you can see the legend of ATVs and off-road vehicles and motorcycles that are destroying the landscape. And the Bureau of Land Management, which owns more land in the American West, which means we, the American taxpayers, all of us own this land, owns more land in the American West than anybody else, has been absolutely absent on this discussion of where you can run all-terrain vehicles. In Illinois, we've had all kinds of issues at our state parks, Shawnee National Forest in the south. In Wisconsin, you've got all kinds of issues with national parks and national forests. Same in Michigan, same in Minnesota, where off-road, all-terrain vehicles simply go across an area. The scarring of that is not forever. In Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, we live in a part of the world where we have a lot of rainfall. We have a lot of growth. It's fairly burdened. The trails will come back. When you run an ATV across an area of maybe a little bit of native prairie or whatever, it will come back. That's not true in the American West. The ruts from 150 years ago from wagon trains are still there from the covered wagons. And what do we think is going to happen with all these ATV and off-road vehicle tra trails? Not only that, they are carving up the wilderness in a way that is having a profound impact on wildlife. 
areas that never saw a human other than on foot or on horseback, which means basically they never saw a human. Now have people going by them at 30 miles an hour. Elk, antelope, deer, they're all impacted. Also impacted, and the Fish and Wildlife Service doesn't talk much about this in this part of it, is the sage-grouse. We are fragmenting some of America's most important sage-grouse habitat by cutting rutted trails and disturbing leks and disturbing nests. So we have a situation that has evolved with technology that the government, because it's in control of this land, has, has done nothing about. You've got, now you have associations, you've got ATV associations, you've got off-road vehicle associations that have organized, demanding access to areas that have never seen anything mechanized. These aren't wilderness areas that were set aside, and, and, and I've talked from time to time about the wisdom or potentially lack of wisdom of some of the wilderness area res- regulations, which are leading to, to very catastrophic wildfires. I'll get to that in just a second. But I'm talking about just areas that have never been trodden other than with horse or cows or, or human beings. And now you've got litter all over, the, all over the landscape. You can cover 100 miles a BLM sagebrush in, in Wyoming in, in a matter of a couple hours. That would have taken you a week, and nobody would have done it. So the U.S. government, the Bureau of Land Management, the Fish and Wildlife Service, the Bureau of Reclamation, the U.S. Forest Service are all way behind the curve in understanding what is taking place with America's desire to go out and recreate. And when we think of recreation, we think maybe of going fishing or going hunting or hiking or, or riding on a bicycle. The new form of recreation, of which is not only growing quickly, but might be the largest form of recreation in America, is off-road vehicles, ATVs, UTVs. That's where the action is, and that's where the money is being spent. So you have industry now that are pouring funds into lobbying legislation to make sure that there aren't trails curtailed, that, that there are not designated routes across much of the American West, and, and in, even in Illinois that you should be able just to go wherever you want. Well, what we're doing is we're destroying a land that has never seen a rubber tire before. And by the way, the, Oregon, the, the tires on the, on the wagons that came across the American West, they weren't rubber. They were iron, which is one of the reasons why the ruts they cut in a, in a very arid landscape are still visible 150 years from now. You can actually, on the ground, you can go see exactly where the or- Oregon Trail went. Those ruts have never been healed. So I would offer that in 2024, this is one of the things we absolutely have to get on top of. We're we're only making bigger, faster, stronger, bolder machines to go out into the wilderness for for individuals to go have fun on. That's great. A snowmobile, fine. You're on the snow. The snow melts. You haven't left a legacy that's going to last 100 years or more. That's not true of what's taking place with ATVs. And the other thing that's happening is, of course, we're opening up so many areas to individuals that were never opened up. And as I talked a moment ago, it's having a profound impact on the habits of game, particularly the habits of sage grouse and elk. So we we need to revisit this while we still can. I don't suggest everyone go fly in a low plane, low flying plane over the American West and look at the damage. But what I am suggesting is that we as a society say, let, let's just take a moment before we're overrun with industry associations and people who have no, no regard for, for what the landscape might look like. We need to do it quickly. Uh, if you take one look at the machines that are coming out, the UTVs, the ATVs, the motorcycles, 
you can see exactly where we're going. Pretty soon you're going to be able to run them practically up the face of Mount Rushmore and you're going to run them all through the Tetons and in Wyoming. And it's just, uh, it's time we paused and said, maybe, maybe we ought to just have a few places, not wilderness areas, but a few places where you can't take man-made machines. And the wilderness areas, of course, they, they simply are a lock up and throw away the key situation, which in some cases is fine. But what it's led to in the West is vast tracts of land where the only way you can go in and cut down a tree is with a handsaw. And I'm not kidding. You, you can go in with a horse and a handsaw, or you can go in on foot and a handsaw. You can't use mechanized, any mechanized equipment. And yet some of the most terrible fires that we're facing in the American West are the result of exactly the fact that we've had no management. So the Wilderness Act, while certainly very noble in its, in its design, save the best places in America, forgot that you have to manage nature. There is no such thing as not managing. Nature has been managed since the beginning of time by, by man. And so we have a situation now where across the country, we need to reevaluate exactly what it is we want our legacy to be. Otherwise, we're going to have Swiss cheese everywhere on the land. I'll be back in just a moment with more on the Great Outdoors show. And when I do, I'm going to talk about the removal of dams, an incredibly exciting opportunity for those of us who've been involved in this discussion for, well, for, for, for a generation. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about the migration or the existence of giant Canada geese, if I have time. Thanks so much for being with me. You're listening to Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. Hiking, camping, and hunting, it's all an adventure in the great outdoors, but nature can be tough. You need to be ready for anything and everything. Chevy Silverado is built to handle the toughest conditions and get you everywhere you want to go worry-free. Silverado's designed to handle the big jobs. It's built for the great outdoors. With over 13,000 pounds of towing capacity and trailering sway control, Silverado can haul the biggest loads on the roughest roads and keep you cool as a Sunday drive. With eight available cameras and up to 14 different views, it can spot trouble before it gets to you. That's peace of mind. And when you're ready for the backcountry, Chevy Silverado 1500 ZR2 owns the off-road. You name it, we run over it. No wonder it's Motor Trend's 2023 four-wheeler pickup truck of the year. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and check out a Chevy Silverado. It's freedom to explore the great outdoors. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And I also, when I was talking about the landscape in the uh, first part of the show, I very much wanted to talk about, which I have before when it comes to landscape, talk about the existence of wind farms. Um, all across America and Illinois, you don't need to go very far outside of the city of Chicago to see these enormous wind farms. Um, they're going in faster than we can evaluate their impact. And I say this, as you know, for someone who cares deeply about the, the environment, someone who cares deeply about conservation, someone who believes that we need to have sustainable energy in our country. But there's, there's no thought as to their location. 
And in Illinois, on I-80, I mentioned before, we put one of the largest wind farms in, in, in North America right at the headwaters of the Illinois River where it turns south at LaSalle, Peru. The major migratory bird corridor in Illinois, not only that, one of the major migratory bird corridors in all of, of North America, and we put wind farms right at the headwaters of this. It, it makes no sense. And in the American West, there are huge wind farm operations going in. Central Montana, the rolling prairie, it's some of the most beautiful, pristine, untrampled land we have on this continent. And all of a sudden, at night, you're seeing these enormous blinking lights. It looks like aliens coming from outer space on a landscape where there are no lights at all at night. And now you got blinking lights everywhere. And when day arrives, wind farms. I mentioned in Alberta earlier this fall, I was there and I was shocked at the, at the number of wind farms that are up, wind turbines everywhere. It's, it is something that we're doing and we're doing it at a, at a breakneck pace without understanding two things, without understanding their impact on the habits of wildlife, which certainly if you were going to drill oil wells, you would have to go have those kind of impacts. And we're also doing it without thought to to the landscape. What are we looking at? I had commented a couple of years ago about uh, some of the most beautiful rolling hills in Texas, uninterrupted views, and now they're just wind farms. So all over America, we're, we're, we're taking some of our greatest viewscapes and putting up wind farms without any consideration as to what this legacy is going to be. And are we, what are we really doing as a society in doing this? Something we're thinking about. Speaking of taking down, though, how about the story about coming, dams coming out of Northern California, the Klamath River? This has been a story that's been brewing for 50 years, and it's actually happening. It's happening right now. The, great, the Gate Dam in Northern California has been one of the largest dams uh, on the Klamath River, the Lower Klamath. And there are four dams now that are coming out. Actually, as I'm talking to you, the water is draining out of these reservoirs. And the Klamath River, for over 100 miles, is now going to be returned to its original flow. These dams were not serving any hydroelectric use. They were not serving really any use at all at this point in time. But what they were doing is they were blocking the runs of salmon and steelhead and also Pacific lamprey from accessing habitat, of course, which they had access since the beginning of time. The Klamath River, a name not all of us know as a household name, was once the third largest salmon producer, salmon producing river on the West Coast. The third. Today, there are hardly any salmon left in the entire Klamath River Basin. After a series of massive die-offs of Chinook salmon in, the, in early, about 20, 25 years ago, that the, the focus of the West came on, Wait, what are we doing here? And these, these massive die-offs of salmon, of course, occurred because fish, they were in these big reservoirs and they couldn't figure out upstream and the water got warm and, and they died. So as a result of Native Americans, as a result of conservation interests and other interests, these dams are coming out in what is really the biggest experiment to date to try to reverse what we've done to some of North America's rivers. And, and here in, the, in Illinois, in the Fox River, we've got dams all over the Fox River. We have lots of boating. We have all kinds of recreational enjoyment from the Fox River. 
The reality is those dams aren't serving any purpose from a point of view of, of, of energy that's meaningful. What they're doing is they're, they're performing a recreation purpose. There certainly has been discussion about taking the Fox River dams out. I think that the, the interest, the recreational interest and whatnot will make sure that that doesn't happen. We don't have the salmon runs that were taking place in the Klamath. So now they are hoping that by the end of this summer, the river actually will be back into its original stream bank, and they expect that salmon and steelhead will begin to run this section of the river where they haven't run for almost 75 years. So it's a truly exciting story. It's one that I think we pay attention to as conservationists and those interested in the outdoors. And as I talk about the removal of dams in the American West, and then the rising of these wind farms all over the Midwest and the rest of America, you have to wonder if we haven't learned some lessons from the dams in the American West that destroyed so much of what was our natural heritage. Maybe we haven't learned much as we put up these wind farms. I'll be back next week with much more on the Great Outdoors show. And then when I do, I am going to talk about how the giant Canada goose came back from near extinction, the individuals involved. It's an incredible story. Thanks so much for listening. Back next Sunday morning with much more in the great outdoors. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.